You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, perfect. We are sitting here this week, a few days out from the Vail Lacrosse shootout with tournament director, David Soren. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, Vail is one of those, I'm just going to call it Vail for the rest of the episode because that makes it way easier. But Vail is one of those iconic events in lacrosse culture that has been around for, this is the 49th year, correct? Yes, sir. Or 49th happening of the event i'm sure you know there's a covid year and a couple others but uh so it's been going on for a long time i mean longer than i've been alive longer than ryan's been alive and you know ryan was just before you even got on the call was telling me about all these teams and players and stories from Vale from that he's heard throughout his life and you know we kind of wanted to play pay a little you know homage to this event and also provide some some press around it so we're, we're going to ask you a few questions about the event and and you know hopefully do it some do it some justice so uh ryan why don't you go ahead and get us started well you know i i you know like nick said before um we had gotten started i was kind of filling them in a little bit i mean um i'm a little bit older than he is but you know the way i kind of always saw it was veil was the mll before the mll um that's where that was one of the the major tournaments of the summer where everybody went to um and you over the years you got to see some pretty special lacrosse and you're still seeing special lacrosse how did how did the how did the shootout get started right because obviously you know lacrosse is booming out in the west but you know 49 years ago that necessarily wasn't the case so can you kind of walk us through that i think people would probably be really interested in understanding kind of you know the where it started how 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 it kind of came to be and you know kind of where we're at right now uh the tournament started with my brother jim and flip nomberg yep flip nomberg who should be in the hall of fame in my opinion but um uh, they went to college together. Jim had played at Navy. Mm-hmm. He was a football player there, broke his leg or whatever, needed something else to do to keep him out of trouble. Roommate shot him across, and he excelled at it. And uh, when he came to Colorado College, he met Flip, and those two hit it off, and they wanted to do something in the summer to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So Flip's brother lived in Aspen. They thought, let's go to Aspen and invite a few guys. And they got teams from Utah to come over some local Denver teams. And then uh, eventually the Texas team came up with Earl Bill mm-hmm. and it kind of just rolled on from there. You know, Earl would recruit some pieces, you know, people from back East. And before you knew it, we had teams from all over the country, the greatest players in the world. I mean, we've seen, we've posted everyone from the gates to the Petromalas to the birdie, you know, everybody you can think of name over the years. And then correct me if I'm so wrong they, with- Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Was that one of the, I know for a lot of the national teams, wasn't that they used Vail as a, as a, as kind of a training tournament to kind of pick their final rosters before they went over to the world games. We did. We've had several, uh, USA has done it. Team Canada, Australia. We've had teams from Japan come over, uh, Israeli nationals. So yes, we have hosted many of an international team. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, Nick, what do you got, buddy? So I'm curious, you know, it's been 49 years. What are some of the changes that you've seen during that time? Because surely the the game has grown so much in that period of time. 
the college game, especially the, the program is, is thriving at the moment has the addition or the success of the pro leagues changed the look of Vail at all? Because it is a, you know, it's an adult driven event, right? Like the youngest you have is a U19 division. Yeah. Um, uh, we've changed a lot over the years. Like we started in Aspen and I was lying in the field with uh, flour from the grocery <laughs> store. So it's changed a little bit. Then we moved to Vail um, a couple years later. And the field sizes, and you know, we had more fields. We could host more people. Um, and we've seen the game change incredibly in that time. We've tried to be innovators in that because we've tried different things. We had the first shot clock in lacrosse that I know of. So we could experiment with it. We tried different lengths. We, you know, we just changed it two years ago. Um, so we started that a long time ago. Um, you know, we've filtered the rules. You know, you can only have so many long sticks on the field. Um, we've seen, you know, with the pro leagues and all the other things that go on, you know, it's back in the day, there was nothing else in the summer. You didn't see, you know, all these great players in one place. So the pro leagues kind of siphoned off some of our, you know, people. They couldn't play in the club events when they're in a pro contract. So we've seen that change, but we still see the, the greatest players in the world that maybe aren't playing in those leagues or are retired from those leagues or they're not in that mode yet they're you know great college players but still aren't in that level so we've seen it change a lot um it's changed our you know who comes to our event as a fan you still get a lot of kids and parents and whatnot but you know the definitely the crowds we draw we could probably outdraw the outlaws on some weekends if you compare <laughs> them back in the day absolutely and i mean speaking of that i mean you have an incredible player pool right now between the you know, the merger of the PLL and the MLL. And so there are quite a few guys that aren't able to play professionally that may be used to. So do you think that this year in particular, maybe one where you get guys kind of, you know, trying out Vail for the first time because they, they haven't been able to for the past few years, or is that still kind of remain to be seen? Uh, I think it will. You know, I think it will affect the pool that we have. I think it'll improve it. Um, I haven't had time to check everybody's roster yet. My son has who played, you know, in college. So he, he knows a lot more than I do, but I think it will help us. I think we'll have a better pool of players. And I think we're seeing sort of a pent up demand just to socially interact in a nice setting and enjoy the game, you know, the creator's game and get out there and have fun. Okay. And then compared to like, you know, we, we did have the COVID year. So, you know, 2019, the event was a su success 2021 now. Do we see that the numbers are right where they were pre-COVID in terms of registrations and teams, or uh, is there still a little bit of a rebound, or are they higher? I mean, who knows? It, it's I would say on the U19 side, they're right at the same numbers. Most of our older men's divisions are the same. The elites the same. We lost a few teams that come out every year that have people in like three divisions, okay, like a Middlebury. Yeah. They made a decision early on in January. Hey, we don't know what's going to be going on in six months. We're not going to come. Like, we'll be there next year for 50. But, and I understand, I respect that decision. Nobody knew. I mean, it took us till last April to cancel, almost May to cancel last year's event. Nobody knew what the hell was going on or what was going to happen. Absolutely. So, you know, here we are in a different world. You know, we're still not sure we like traveling on airplanes yet, or do you wear a mask in this store? Do you not? You know, have you been vaccinated? I don't know. <laughs> and we're finally coming out of that, but our, our numbers look really good. I think we have almost 90 teams signed up. 
Fantastic. And so talking to uh, Jamie a little bit earlier in the week, it was, you know, kind of unknown to me. I don't know who would know this off the top of their head, but like Vale is a very like kind of family oriented event that no one's doing this full time really, or maybe they are a full time effort, but this is no one's full time job. So what kind of chaos is it? You know, what month does it really pick up where everybody's like, oh, yeah it's time to dig in and we've got veil coming up very quickly. Um, <laughs> it's a year round event. Um, yeah, <laughs> we are, a, we are not technically a non-for-profit, but we don't make a profit. Gotcha. We don't pay anyone except our administrator. Who's a works on weekends and nights has been with us from, she works at my brother's law firm. He, she's been with us for 25 years. She just does it as a labor of love and to make some side money. Um, but everyone else is a volunteer and I think it's just the labor of love. Our, tra- our trainers get paid. They're the only ones they are professional trainers. You have to pay them. Um, and I would say we're probably the only ones that put a train on every field every day. Uh, that is, you know, extremely competent and supplies all the, you know, wrapping and whatnot. Our, our uh, medical tape and supplies are enormous with these masters and super masters. Yeah. Especially yeah, the Zen masters. To say, yeah, you gotta masters. have, uh, you gotta have at least one trainer there. <laughs> And, you know, and you're trying to house 50 people, that's tricky, expensive. And, but, you know, we just, just we left over the end of the thing, trying to get people volunteered, so we will help with their airfare or whatever we do. It's really a labor of love. And we have an extremely uh, dedicated team, and they keep coming back year after year. They're just, you know, they're amazing, truly amazing. And so in, in 49 years, you've certainly got, I'm sure, a long list of stories you could tell, but uh, is, is there one event or one year that kind of stands out to you over any other? Um, there's many of them. Uh, one of the greatest games we ever saw played. I wish I could remember all the details. I think Clint Kessnich was asking me about it last year, <laughs> um, but we had a five overtime game on the athletic field, our smaller you know, venue field, but it was like one of the greatest games ever played. Everybody you could think of her name in that era was playing up there. And we went to five overtimes. They were so exhausted. They could not leave the field for a timeout. They would literally just sit on the ground (laughs) and rest for the timeout. And it was like goalies like Bill Barroza and I think Petro might've been there and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these great players. It's, it's amazing. Um, That was one of the greatest games I ever saw. Um, Events. I don't know, watching the gate brothers run down the field together is like, poetry in motion prime um, prime gate Light. brothers yeah prime yeah and marichak and oh it's that was a, that was an incredible you know just watching that, a ballet or something because yeah. that's when um they had Coors light but team toyota came out there a bunch yeah yeah uh, and the gates played on that and with marichak and um yeah, I mean, the, the, I remember watching highlights of, of, of the old veil, vale, especially what was it late eight, late 90s, early 2000s um, on elacrosse.com when there yep. was when elacrosse.com was still a thing. Yeah, that's when I saw like the first I mean, I'm so for reference, I'm 32. So like that time period, I'm like 12 years old. I don't know anything about lacrosse on the East Coast or or like big name lacrosse. And I saw the crease monkeys. And I saw Tom Ryan playing and I was like, okay, this might be a sport <laughs> that I need to check out a little bit more. And that's 
how my whole kind of journey started was seeing highlights from Vale. So, I mean, it certainly has changed over the years, like you've said, but like still like it's iconic. So with the youngest group being U19, how are these U19 teams finding out about the event? Because I have to imagine it, it is a priority to get the young people involved because obviously that's how you fill the future divisions down the line. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We've had a lot of people that are repeat, you know, people like Massachusetts or, I mean, the crabs were here for a number of years. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the fellowship of Christian athletes, mm-hmm. we have teams from, you know, California, Florida, Minnesota, wherever they come from, they've been here for many years and they, you know, it's, it's a fun place to take the kids because there's things to do besides play lacrosse yeah you're doing that but there's no recruiting that's all done within their lives hopefully and they're just coming out to play and have fun we do run into some you know we always have conflicts with the under armor games or some other all-star thing you know that people want to go to but I, i think they look at it as more of a destination fun reward for their kids at the end of you know a high school career yeah and i have to feel like a lot of these tournaments at some point, the parents are just sending the kids and not even going to some of these events. But this is certainly one where you can plan to bring the entire family. You can all enjoy yourself. There's something for everybody. You know, my brother-in-law just moved out to, to Denver and and he's still, I mean, I'm going to send him just to go check it out. He's not even a lacrosse guy, but I still want him to just see it uh, because I can't be there. But it, it truly is a destination event. And uh, if anybody hasn't been there yet, uh, it's it's got to be on your bucket list, I think, of, of lacrosse events, right, Ryan? Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, growing up, you know, it was uh, you want to play Vail, you want to play Placid, you want to play Ocean City, um, and if you can, if you got the Bucks and make it out to Hawaii, those are those were the those were the big four. David, how do you feel yeah, about I, that? <laughs> very true. I, I would put mine at the top, but yeah. at the highest <laughs> elevation, so I can. And I'm the longest, so I can say that. Absolutely. You know, it's nine days at 8,000 feet. And I've been to Placid, really enjoyed their tournament. It's a little different format, a little different yeah. environment. I want to go to Hawaii. If anybody wants to send me out there as a consultant, I'd surely join you. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, we it, it, if it's a family coming out, I would think that the parents are fighting over who gets to take their kid to the event. Yeah, yeah. Than, I, you know, I can only imagine. Dreading, dreading who has no offense, but I've been to Baltimore a thousand times and I don't want to go back for a while. <laughs> That's very fair. Now, this, the structure of the tournament, is it still, do you play one game a day, essentially? Uh, the first day, if we have odd um, groupings, you know, or a lot of unseated teams, we'll do a pool play the first day and then we always go into brackets. Okay. Okay. Because I have to imagine that one of the added benefits if you're a younger player is to be able to have time to go around and watch some of the best lacrosse you'll ever see in person, because it's, it's, you're hard pressed to find this much good lacrosse in one area that you can play and then immediately go be a a spectator of. Yeah. You can play, go soak in the river, come back, watch, you know, have something to eat while you're watching. The old guys will watch each other play, have a beer. It's really a good family and you know, family environment. You do have most of your day to enjoy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, uh, more more so. I mean, they've always done it. You know, you have the Navy old goats, and you have all those teams. Um, 
you know, how important, how important has this event become for a lot of those um, teams that use this kind of as an alumni event to get the, you know, get the band back together, so to speak. I mean, it seems like, you know, your elite division has always been thriving, um, but you're seeing a lot of those guys and you're starting to see the masters division and the, the grand masters and now Zen masters really kind of, um, you know, you're seeing those guys continue to play well into their um, older ages. Oh, it's been huge. They've been great supporters of the event. We have, you know, the, the Texas teams have been coming up for years, the goats, mm-hmm. you know, the Middlebury team, uh, the air force, Graybirds, people I've known for 45 years now, you know, are still coming, you know, some of the greats have been up from Jimmy Lewis back in the day Yep. for Navy. Um, incredible. And, and, you know, Mike Gottlieb, great artist. Mm-hmm. Um, for lacrosse and lacrosse action so you know they're like family now you know they all know me we all know them it's great to see them it's it's really a fun event and it's it it does bring their alumni together it gives them all a purpose to come back together you know just going to the old school or something is, is great but it's only so much fun or so many things to do they always have group dinners or barbecues or rafting trips or whatever they want to do so it's it's really great for that Okay, and Dave, if somebody, let's say someone's listening to this, it's it's a little bit too late, obviously, to to get to Vail this year or to put a team in. What time of year do they need to register their team in order to get a spot for next year? And especially next year where it's the 50th, which I assume that's going to be one of the biggest years you've had in a very long time. Um, I certainly hope so. On the 50th count, um, it, it's going to be a wingding. Um, I would say reaching out in September is great. Okay. We usually start uh, sending out all the invitations in January. And yeah, the, the sooner you lock your spot in, the sooner we know about it, the sooner we plan. But it, it helps to reach out at least by the very beginning of the year. And you can do that via our website, um, veilacross.com, or you can send an email to info at at comcast.net. Beautiful. And so this year's event is from June 26th to July 4th for anybody that that's listening and interested. And I think Jamie told me that you're going to be streaming the semifinals and finals this year of certain divisions. Is that true? Yeah, we'll be doing the U19 semifinals and finals and then the elite uh, men's uh, men's semifinals and finals, maybe the quarterfinals and then uh, women's finals as well. Beautiful. And so if people want to watch that, they'll, they'll obviously be able to watch that online and we will do our best to put the the links to those uh, streams in the uh, bio, the show info and online through social media. Greatly appreciate that. And you can go to our website and click on the link there as well. Fantastic. All right, David, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you giving us a glimpse into Vail Lacrosse. And we'll we'll uh, we'll pay attention to see how everything's going. I know you're busy stringing nets and getting everything going. You're on the road early tomorrow. Yep. Well, I got to do my real job first, and then I'll hit the road. But we're, <laughs> we're really looking forward to it. I, this will be. Uh, I have three generations of my family now that have, are up there this year, so it's going to be fun. Um, we're looking forward to it, and we really appreciate the time you gave us today and your support. 
And we're looking forward to some, some good lacrosse coming up. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides. Sides.